It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of Philly is Flyers.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am Mark Giannone, joined as always with my partner in crime from way down in the nation's capital, Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on? Not much, man. We got buried with some snow, like 12 inches yesterday. It was, uh, we didn't get any snow last year. And growing up in Philly like I did and living in New York for 10 years, I'm used to used to some snowy winters. There wasn't any snow last winter, but from what I understand, I think here in D.C. we got about as much snow as anyone in this storm. Yeah, we got um, we had a fair amount of snow last year too, and a, a good, good, a uh, good bit over the weekend as well. It was um, I don't know, it was a bad weekend all in all, given the Eagles situation, and of course, we're still living in a world where the Flyers are currently the worst team in the NHL, which can't make really anybody happy. Um, I, I today isn't really about this episode isn't really about the Flyers the NHL club, because there's really not much to add to what's been happening. It's the same story as it's been since September. The team's not getting any better. They're not going to get any better. And um, we're going to focus today, Dan, on your um, recently updated top 20 prospect list, which is always a big hit. The fans always love it. We, you know, the people that can't watch all the prospects and follow them as closely as they do the um, the professional team. It's good for them to kind of read about them. You actually, what did you say? It was like 10,000 words you wrote? I mean, so you, it was an extensive amount of information that you compiled on your top 20 guys, your favorite guys, and we're going to get into it. We're going to take this thing from all angles because there are some guys that aren't on the list that were before. There are some guys that fell. There are some guys that rose. So we're going to take a look at all of that. But my first question to you is, because you've done this a few times now for Philly as Flyer, what kind of goes into this? Like this this process that you go through in compiling this list and putting them in their different places, and now you have it tiered. So there's so much going on. So how, how do you get from starting point to publishing it for everybody to see? So, and I guess it's it's similar to kind of any project that that one would undertake in life where for me at least to get a sense of where I'm comfortable enough to write about these guys as much as I do I want to kind of like in totality get an idea of the flyer system and also of each of these guys so what I do is I have a spreadsheet that that basically has every flyers draft going back to like 2012 and I have every guy that they've drafted and, and every young player that they've traded for or signed outside of the draft, like a Phil Myers, for example. And I just every month or so I update it in terms of what team they're on, uh, what their stats look like, what their points per game looks like. So I kind of have a dynamic feel of how these guys are progressing uh, because, you know, I know that most Flyers fans don't have the time to kind of follow along with what these prospects are doing. And so maybe once or twice a year, they check in on them. So I want to be that guy who kind of is 
following these guys on a on a day-to-day week-to-week basis so that I can see what's going on and that also gives me a sense of confidence to write about them I you know I try and watch as many games as I can I you know to be honest I don't I I'm not able to watch a ton of games which is why one of the reasons that I like doing I do this twice a year I do it uh, after the draft so that that we know who the Flyers have added to their prospect system and then I like to do it after the World Junior Championships because theoretically, you know, every year the Flyers have seven, eight, nine, ten guys playing in the World Junior Championships. And for me, it's very beneficial being able to watch them live, guys that I typically don't get to watch live because they're playing in the NCAA or, or the Canadian Juniors, and also see how they perform against their peers, right? Because it can be hard to compare a goaltender playing in the Russian junior league against a goaltender playing in the second tier Swedish league versus a goaltender playing in the Canadian juniors. Their stats all mean different stuff. So, you know, I like being able to see them all on the same stage. And so that's, you know, I, I basically try and follow these guys all year long. I follow a bunch of people on Twitter who post videos of these guys. And so I keep track of that. And I, I like to make sure that my top prospect lists, which you know, as you mentioned, you can find them over at phillyisflyer.com. So I just released that latest one today. I like to have a lot of videos in there because I think that that's how you get a sense of, of what a prospect's like. And I can I can write as many words as I want. But when you visually see what a guy looks like and kind of I illustrate uh, each guy, I've got a couple videos for and kind of show what some of their strengths are. And I think that helps people figure out wh- what those guys are like as players. Um, and one other thing I should mention, you know, about the way that I do this is I value upside very, very highly um, to, uh, you know, I guess pun intended there when I'm doing my rankings so that if a guy's got a really high upside, but he's also got a low ceiling, I'm going to rank him higher than a guy who's got a medium upside, but also a, a uh, or medium floor. So high upside, low floor, is going to be higher up than kind of a guy that's that's a steady prospect who you know what you're going to get. And the flyer system continues to be very strong to the point where it's it's difficult to rank these guys because there's guys outside of my top 20 that are probably going to be NHL players. Whereas if you looked at the flyer system six, seven, eight years ago, there would have been guys inside of the top five that might not be NHL players. So Ron Ekstall, one thing he did very well was stock this prospect system, which makes my job a little bit harder in writing these articles. But but basically, you know, I, I want to come at it from a perspective where I'm confident in what I'm writing about with these guys and I'm following them and their stats on a week-to-week basis and, and, and so that I can kind of pass that along to, to all the readers out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to me, first of all, how you retain all this information. Also, how you somehow manage to keep a successful relationship going when you're so um so in tune with so much hockey going on. But I guess um you know, I guess that speaks a lot to the rest of your character and not just the hockey addict in you. But um, so you broke this down into tiers. Tier one is obviously the cream of the crop, and it's the top four. And interesting already that you went with top four and, you know, the usual is top five, but that's okay. Um, So you're elite prospects and it's much of the usual suspects. It's 
Carter Hart bringing it at number one. Spoiler alert if you haven't read it yet. Uh, Phil Myers number two. Morgan Frost, number three. Joel Farabee, number four. And that's that's the top tier right there. Um, so it's pretty much the same guys that we've talked about for about a year and a half now, except for Farabee, who just got here over the summer. But, you know, Morgan Frost had a great season last year. He's having another really good season for uh, for the Greyhounds. Um, Phil Myers, you know, we know what he is. We've talked about him at, at nauseum, um, you know, since he's been down with the Phantoms, how great he is offensively, how just great, what an overall great player he is. And I know me and you were just counting down, you know, the days and the hours until Phil Myers is on the Flyers. And who the hell knows when that's going to happen, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. And then, of course, Carter Hart, who... It finally got the call up with the Flyers after something that we kind of predicted in the offseason, Dan, where we knew that there or we kind of we didn't know, but we uh, we thought there may be a situation where there's a lot of injuries to the Flyers goaltenders. Uh, we kind of said around like February and it happened a couple months before that. I don't think either of us knew just how bad the goalie situation was going to be this year, but. Lo and behold, he's been here for about a month now, and he's looked pretty. Yeah, he's looked pretty good. He's had um, he's had some ebbs and flows. He's had games where he's looked, you know, as advertised, and then he's had games which is to be expected from a twenty-year-old rookie. Um, he's had games where he has looked like a guy that needs improvement, and he obviously does because he's only twenty years old. He'll get and he'll get that improvement, but he's still there at number one and. This is probably, I mean, this is his last year, obviously, of eligibility on this list, depending on how the rest of this season goes. But kind of talk about the four of these guys and what, I mean, what sets them apart so much from even like the fifth and sixth guy on there that makes them the elite level prospects for the Flyers. Yes. Yeah, so when it goes into kind of the way that, like you mentioned, that I'm breaking this down into tiers right so my first tier which is the top four guys are what i refer to as the quote-unquote elite prospects and for all intents and purposes these are guys who i am fairly certain are going to be either uh number one nhl goaltenders meaning like a starting nhl goaltender or a top pairing defenseman of course there's three different pairs so the top pairing defenseman or a top line forward so that that's what i would consider to be a elite prospect and the, so there are four guys in the flyer system that i think fit that bill and the number one on this list is no disputing number one carter hart he's not going to be on this list for my next time around because he will have played 25 games in the nhl which means he'll no longer uh be considered a rookie so this is the last time carter hart's going to show up on the, this list because there's no way the flyers can send him down i mean he has been Without a doubt, the biggest highlight of the season so far for this team and its fans. As you mentioned, they, they called him up in December. And most people kind of would, you know, I, we had both suggested that it might happen this season. And I got a lot of backlash on Twitter from people saying, you know, you're an idiot. There's no way that they're going to bring up Carter Hart this season. And the, the, the reality is that he's just better than the other goaltenders that, that the Flyers had in the NHL. Those guys are all injured, so it makes the decision easy. But he's been much better than even I would have thought as a 20-year-old goalie in the NH NHL. Because quite simply, 
teams don't have 20-year-old goalies on their on their teams. Carey Price is the last goalie who went right from the Canadian juniors to the NHL, and he, he struggled a little bit. And I'm sure Carter Hart will have his struggles. But to this point, I mean, he's got a 9-16 save percentage. Uh, he's won a number of games. He The game last week that they won against the Stars where the Flyers broke there, I think it was like an eight-game losing streak they had or even longer. But anyway, they... It was it was Carter Hart that, that won that game for them. I mean, the Flyers won two to one. He made thirty seven saves. He was phenomenal. And he the things that stand about a Carter Hart are his positioning is incomparable. He's always in position. He tracks the puck very well, meaning that the other team's passing the puck all over the ice. Carter Hart's following it, and he's then anticipating where the shot's going to come from. And he's also completely unflappable. Like there's going to be ups and downs as a starting goaltender in the NHL. And you've got to be able to shake off a goal, concentrate right after you let up a bad goal, whatever. And his temperament is pretty incredible for a, for a 20-year-old. I mean, he just seems so calm, cool, and collected. He's got everything you want in a starting goaltender. And it looks to me like the Flyers are going to have their uh, their franchise goalie. And he, you know, he's going to have ups and downs early on, but he's almost already at that point where yeah, – he he's the guy for the Flyers, so it's a it's a very good thing that's going on with Carter Hart, and it's very exciting. So you look at two, three, and four, and quite honestly, I wouldn't argue with anybody if they changed up the order of Phil Myers, Morgan Frost, or Joel Farabee. We've talked about Phil Myers a lot. He's a six-five defenseman who he could just quite simply has everything that you need to be a top pairing defenseman in the NHL. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's got a good shot, he's a good passer, he's good in his own zone. He's been very good this season for the Phantoms. Uh, as of this, you know, right now he's got seven goals and 17 assists, so he's got 24 points. And one of the things that you'll hear me talk about a lot, and if you read the article you're, you'll see, is I like to compare how a guy stacks up with players of his own age group. Because I think that's very important when you're looking at prospects across different leagues. So if you look at he's, Myers is 21 years old. If you look at all of the AHL defensemen under the age of 22, he's second among all of them with, uh, with those 24 points. Mm -hmm. So obviously that is uh, pretty impressive. So he's, he's pretty much done everything that he's needed to to prove that he's NHL ready. For whatever reason, the Flyers have not called him up. But I am very confident that he will be up for this team at some point pretty soon. So I had him as number two just because he's he's got a huge upside, and I think he's the closest to the NHL. And then numbers three and four were uh, the two forwards that, that you mentioned, Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee. And I struggled a little bit with who to have higher. I went with Frost just because he has a little bit more offensive upside. But I think Farabee actually has a much higher floor than Frost. You know, there have been times, like, for example, this summer at the World Junior Championship Summer Showcase, where players kind of, like, make their case over the summer to be on the team. And also during Flyers training camp, Frost didn't look all that confident. He didn't look great. And then, you know, he didn't make the Flyers because he didn't look great in training camp. And I think that he was on the bubble for Team Canada's World Junior squad. He did make the team, which I'll talk about it in a little bit, but... You know, he's he, he's not quite as great of an all-around player as Farabee is. And Farabee is a year younger. But 
the the offense that Frost has put up is just unbelievable. So far this season, he is he leads the entire OHL, which is probably the best of the three Canadian junior leagues. He leads the whole league by averaging 1.86 points a game. To put that in perspective, Claude Giroux, at the same age in the Canadian juniors, was at 1.93 points a game. So what Morgan Frost has done is very similar to Claude Giroux. They're the same height. They're the same build. They both played in the World Junior Championships at the age of 19. Frost actually outperformed Giroux. Morgan Frost led the entire World Juniors with 1.6 points a game. He had a hat trick early on against Denmark. He was he was arguably Canada's Canada's best player. And like I said, he's just he's just tearing up the OHL. The things that stand out about Frost are he every time I watch him play, he does something that I say to myself, how did he do that? It's like I'm not a huge basketball fan, but when I've watched the Sixers, Ben Simmons will will make a play a pass that I'm watching the game and I have no idea how that even came together. Like, how did he see this player available for this pass? How did he see this play develop? And that's what Morgan Frost does on the rink. He makes passes that I'm watching the game and I'm like, what the, how did he even do that? So he, the way that he sees plays develop is incredible. He's also become a really good goal scorer. He, uh, he can shoot the puck very well. He's a great stick handler. So right now, there's not much offensively that he can't do. The only knock I have on Frost right now is that while he is a very good skater, he slows down a little bit when the puck's on his stick. So he gets the puck on his stick, and he's a lot of times like he won't be going full speed. And in the OHL, that's fine because he can kind of slow down and still get around guys and make plays. He's got a little more time. He's going to have to adapt that to the NHL and learn how to make those plays while at full speed. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue for him, but that is the one weakness in his game. So next year, uh, Frost is going to be um, ineligible for the Canadian juniors. So he's either going to be with the Phantoms or the Flyers. I think it's about a 50-50 shot these with the phantoms or the flyers but even if he starts with the phantoms i think that he will be up for the flyers in the middle of the season and to to mention the Giroux comparable again so Giroux has when he was 20 also played half the season with the the uh the phantoms and so it's i won't won't be upset if if frost uh you know doesn't make the flyers out of camp because claude Giroux didn't even make the flyers out of camp as a 20 year old so, yeah, so Morgan Frost is just uh, just a really good offensive prospect. And then Joel Farabee, I'm telling you, Mark, every time I watch this guy play, I just come away more and more impressed. He is like he, he's like a dream prospect. He's not quite a prospect like a, you know, like an Eichel or a Matthews who just can absolutely dominate when he's out there. But he just does everything so well. And the Flyers took him 14th overall, and I think he's going to end up being one of the top six or seven players taken in that draft. Uh, he's he's tearing it up for Boston University right now. He's a freshman in college, and right now he's third among all freshmen uh, in points. I think he's got 16 or 17 points. He's got points in four or five straight games. I think he's going to end up as the leading freshman scorer in college hockey, which is obviously pretty impressive. In the World Junior Championships, he was him and Ryan Paling 
were far and away the United States' two best forwards, I would say. Uh, Farabee, just like Morgan Frost, scored a hat trick. It was against Kazakhstan, take it you know, for what it's worth. But he was very good in the World Juniors. I just I don't see any weaknesses in Farabee's game. He's uh, he's very good defensively. He's very good offensively. He's um, he's a phenomenal skater, and he does make make plays at full speed. There's a play against Sweden where he skated the length of the ice up the left wing, and he he was went behind the net, and then he made a behind the back pass at full speed to perfectly set up a teammate. Uh, it was a very impressive play, and the type of thing that that you just get used to seeing Farabee do. He's very relentless. And one of the things I really like about Farabee is he's got a very underrated shot. I think he actually, among all Flyers prospects, I think he has the best shot. He's just, he's a sniper, man. He will bring the puck up and pick corners apart. He's done that a number of times so far in college. He's got good size to his game. And he's one of these guys that also plays a little bit bigger than he is. Just when you watch him play, you you think maybe he's six three or or six four. He's he's just six one, but he just looks bigger out there. He's a guy who, you know, again he's eighteen years old, so he's he's got he could probably make the Flyers next year if they wanted to push it. But I think that he'll probably go back to college for one more season. But Fairby is just I'm really excited about him, and I think that he could end up being the better NHL player than than Frost. But it's going to be close, and uh, I just put frost ahead of him because he i think has a little bit more offensive upside but those those three guys obviously Hart, you know is with the flyers now but myers frost and Fairbeat are the other guys in the flyer system that i think are almost surefire um top pairing defensemen or first line forwards yeah when it comes to Fairbeat, i saw him um play for bu i think it was the first weekend in december uh, it was them against Boston College, and to, to you know, to his credit, he didn't have a great game. But a lot of that was because he kind of took uh, he took a couple of cheap shots during that game, and actually left the game for a good for a, a bit of time after the first one. So I think he was just thrown off a little bit after that. But yeah, I mean, you could just see it. it, it you see everyone get excited about it. everyone was watching the the world junior championship and he was just he was on display he played great that whole tournament and really gave flyers fans a lot to be excited about morgan frost you know we know we know basically everything we need to know about this kid let me ask you real quick when it comes to morgan frost a name that keeps popping into my head as kind of a comparison and frost might actually have a bit more talent than this player does but some when i see morgan frost play in a game um i sometimes get flashbacks of danny briere uh, do you think there's anything to that kind of just the shiftiness of with the puck and their stick handling i think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of parallels between those two players yeah, I think that that's actually a very good comparison. And I've I've thought of Danny Breer sometimes when I'm watching Morgan Frost. I think that Frost actually comes out of the Canadian juniors with a better all-around game than Breer. Mm-hmm. I think Breer kind of struggled with with his defensive positioning in juniors and that was kind of like a struggle for him when he when he broke into the NHL and and he actually I don't. I don't think that I'm going to bring up his, his uh, player page, but I think that Briere struggled a little bit um, 
off the bat in the NHL in terms of uh, point producing. I think that Briere probably, and Morgan Frost, again, is a phenomenal finisher, but I think that Briere, yeah, I mean, Briere spent a lot of time in the AHL in like his first one, two, three, you know, in his first four seasons, he spent time in the, in the, in the AHL. So it took Briere a little bit of time to, uh, to learn the NHL game. I don't think it's going to take Frost that long. It's also interesting. They were both taken, you know, in the, around pick 24, 25, 26, mm-hmm. 27. Briere was 24, and I think Frost was 27. But um, it's it's not a bad comparable. Briere's shorter, right? So Briere's 5'9". Frost is 5'10", 5'11". Wow. And I think that's going to be one of the differences for Frost is that he is a little bit bigger than Briere. Mm-hmm. I think Briere probably better goal scorer than, uh, than Frost, just a little bit more of a sniper. But they are both very explosive offensive talents i think that frost is a better passer briere better shooter than frost but yeah it's not a bad comparable all right so let's dive into um two names in the top 10 that weren't previously ranked and number five we saw him this summer in training camp and in the preseason uh it was a free agent i guess if you call it that signing uh, by the Flyers, it's the the defenseman Igor Zamula, who was impressive, and he really, really kind of became somewhat of a household name uh, amongst Flyers fans, uh, because he just, just from his overall play on the ice during the preseason games, he's with the Calgary Hitmen this year, and playing, I guess, pretty well, if he's number five on the list, and then if you go scroll down, way down just inside the top 10 at number nine uh, another goaltender prospect and I've said it before if you're in the Flyers position and you've gone this long without a bona fide number one goalie they literally cannot have enough goaltending prospects right now so coming in at number nine would be uh, Samuel Erson who again both these guys not ranked in your preseason uh, top 20 both of them making the list. Obviously, that means both of them having very good seasons for their respective clubs that they went from unranked to top 10. So um, I guess we'll start with Zamula just because people know a little bit more about him. We were able to see him in the uh, in the off se- or in the preseason. So what do you see from a guy like Igor, Igor Zamula? You have him ranked at um, you have his NHL upside as a top pair defenseman. So that's two top pair defensemen in the top five. That's nothing to be, uh, nothing to not be happy about, right there. So when you look at Zamula, what do you see from a, from this kid? Yeah. So my second tier, which only includes two players, was the potentially elite prospects, and those are guys that I think maybe are more likely to be second pair, second line guys, but they have kind of the upside for more. So Zamula is a guy that none of us had ever heard about going into this summer, and then no one even drafted him. But then again, no one drafted Phil Myers, right? right. So here's a, one of the things and when you're looking at prospects is there's a lot of bias towards guys that are picked early in the draft. And to another, again, I talked about basketball with, with, with um, you know, Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Jose Altuve, for example, MVP with the Houston Astros, right. he was like the, the Astros 25th ranked prospect. Like he just – people weren't paying attention to his – numbers because he didn't really have the pedigree but 
you know, I try and ignore some of that noise in terms of where guys draft and try to focus on their their skills and what I see and their numbers. And so Zamil is a guy that a lot of Flyers fans probably haven't heard about even before they, they click on this link for my list. But he's had an absolutely unbelievable season. He's he's 6'3", very skinny, 165. So he's going to have to put on some weight. But he's tall, and he's going to put on weight. I mean, he you know, he will bulk up. He's playing on the same team that Travis Sanheim played with in the uh, WHL. And he he's tearing it up. And he So he went scoreless in his first eight games, right? In his last 34 games, he's got 39 points. He's a defenseman. So, again, comparing to guys the same age, if you look at all of the defensemen in the WHL, which is one of the Canadian Junior Leagues, the Western Hockey League, if you look at all defensemen under the age of 19, Zamula is third in points with 39. The only guys who have more points than him are Ty Smith, who was a first-round pick, who I really like. I actually thought he was the second-best, uh, or not the second-best, but one of the best defensemen in the draft. And Kalen Addison, who the Penguins took in the second round, who's also very good. So just based on that, and the fact that he's 6'3", you could say that Zamula is playing like a guy who was picked in the first or second round. He's tall and lanky, and he's just so skilled. I mean, folks, you check out the article. I've got some videos in there. One of the goals he scored in the season, just a beautiful goal where he makes a move, gets a puck at the blue line, makes a move around a couple guys, and then picks one top shelf. And then the other thing he can do is, is he, since he's so skilled, he's very good when he has the puck on his stick in the defensive zone of making a few moves and getting the puck out of the zone, right? I mean, you look at the Flyers. They've got guys like Provorov, Gossesbear, Sandheim, who are, who are very skilled and who can stick handle the puck out of the zone. And that's the way that modern NHL guys play. Then you look at guys like Gudis, who is having a good year, but he's, you know, Gudis, Haig, McDonald, Foling, these guys are guys that, you know, chip the puck off the boards, just kind of jam it out of the defensive zone. And you want to have as many guys who can make plays out of the defensive zone as possible. And Zamula just looks like a guy with a ton of upside. So I was excited about him. Before I mention uh, Airstone, I just want to mention the other guy I had as potentially elite is Isaac Ratcliffe. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you, he was a guy who prior to the last two weeks, I thought he was having a disappointing disappointing season he was taken in the second round in 2017 so the same year the flyers took frost and nolan patrick i thought he was going to have a huge season and his numbers weren't great up until about two weeks ago and the guelph storm he's the captain there it's in the ohl the same league as frost they traded for nick suzuki who's one of the top prospects in hockey he's on the he's in the canadian system and since uh, they got Suzuki and these guys, Suzuki and Ratcliffe played together actually as like midgets, I think when they were uh, age, you know, 16 years old or something. And they've played together. Uh, Ratcliffe has like eight points in the last two games. He scored a hat trick and had an assist in the last game. So right now it looks like Isaac Ratcliffe is going to have a huge second half. And the main thing that he's going to bring to the table in the NHL is goal scoring ability. He's six five. You don't get many wingers that are six five that can score goals, but he is extremely skilled. He reminds me a little bit of Eric Daze, who was on the Blackhawks and had a number of 30 goal seasons. Just a big guy who was never that physical, but 
was very, very skilled and could score goals. And I think that Ratcliffe is a guy who is going to end up being a second or third line NHL winger, maybe with first line upside. But I think he's a guy who's going to score 20 to 30 goals a season in the NHL. And Ratcliffe is going to have a huge second half, I believe. So he'll probably be even higher on my list uh, come after the draft. So the guy you mentioned, uh, so that was my top six. And then the next tier is the very good prospects. These are guys that I'm looking at as like second or third line forwards or maybe second pairing defensemen. The guy you mentioned is the second ranked goalie for me on the list, and that's Samuel Erson. Swedish goalie, the Flyers took in the fifth round of the draft this year, and he has just been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. He's playing in Sweden in the second tier league. The first tier league there is the SHL. He's playing in the Alvenskan, which is the second tier league. He leads the entire league with a 937 save percentage. And keep in mind, this league is for professionals, so it's, there's older players in the league. Uh, he is, he, there's only five goalies in the whole league under the age of 20. He's one of those five, and he leads the league in save percentage. He's also got a 1.84 goals per game, uh, goals against allowed average. And so he is basically, the numbers he's putting up are otherworldly in that league for his age group. I hadn't seen him play, but he was Sweden's goalie in the World Junior Championship, which is great because you get to see him play against all the best players in the world of his age group. And he was incredible. Uh, Sweden was a bit of a disappointment as they always are. They always kind of like breeze through the round Robin and then they lose early on either in the quarterfinals or the semifinals. And they did it again. They lost to Switzerland in the quarterfinals, but Erson was unbelievable. He made so many big saves in that game. He uh, he's a big goalie and he looks big in the net. His movements are quick and compact he, uh, he just always looks like he's controlled the situation. He had a 9.22 save percentage in the World Juniors and a 2.23 goals against average. So, look, goaltender prospects are hard to predict, but Sam Erson right now is clearly the second-best goalie in the Flyers' system in terms of prospects after Carter Hart. He's only 19, so it'll probably be a few years before we see him overseas. But uh, but he you know, he looks like a really high upside goaltender for the Flyers, and you know they've got Ustamenko who didn't make my list, and Felix Sandstrom who didn't make my list, who's just really been struggling. But both of those guys have NHL potential as well. So you know the Flyers look pretty solid in net. So you mentioned the 2017 draft, and it made me go back and look at that draft and look at this past year's draft. The Flyers are coming off of two very good draft classes, 2017-2018. There's a number of guys from both that are in your, that are on your list. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a bit of foreshadowing here down the road. Of the, of the two drafts, 2017 and 2018, when it's all said and done, let's just, let's just go 10 years from now. Which of these, which draft class do you think we will be more, um, how do I want to put this? Which one, I guess, which one do you think is going to end up being the better of the two really good draft classes that the Flyers have had? That's a good question. So you're saying between 2018 and 2017, which one would be a better draft class? Yeah, overall, when it's all, I mean, because you look at 2017, and obviously Patrick taken second overall, and then you get uh, Frost at 27. 
And then in the second round, Isaac Ratcliffe. So just right there, that's a strong list. And then there's Noah Cates down the line there. And then 2018, the two um, the two big guys, I guess you could say, not really in size, but just in name at this point, Joe, Joel Farabee, Jay O'Brien. And, um, you know, even in the second round, uh, Adam Ginning, who I know you um, you've talked a lot about in the past. So just from those two rounds, those are strong draft class. If you look even deeper, they get better. So if you had to pick one, which one which, just based on the players, which one do you think projects to be the better of the two? Well, I'm going to include Zamula in the 2018 draft group because he was okay. uh, signed after that draft. But I still think that the 2017 draft um, is is almost assuredly going to be probably better than the 2018 draft just because yes, Nolan Patrick is struggling, but you'd like to think he's still going to develop into a second line NHL center. You've got Morgan Frost who should be a first or second line NHL player. Isaac Ratcliffe will probably be a first or second line player. And then you've got guys like Noah Cates and Wyatt Kalanuck and Ole Lixell who are all on my list. Whereas 2018 you know, Farabee is a surefire, very good NHLer. Jay O'Brien, who knows? He's, uh, I think he's going to have a really good second half of the season. He battled injuries the first half, and he's been playing well over the last few weeks. But I would say that the jury's still out on Jay O'Brien. And so besides Farabee, there's no surefire NHLer, I don't think, other than O'Brien is probably a surefire NHLer and Zamula too, but their NHL roles are a little bit questionable. Whereas I think 2017, you've got Patrick Frost, Ratcliffe. We know that those guys are probably all going to be at least top two line types of players. So I, I think 2017 is is you know going to stand out from 2018 when you look at it like that. Right. Okay. So you go. We go further down the list here and closer to the end. And name stands out to me because. Um, and it's Sam Moran, and he's kind of a polarizing figure. He has been really riddled with injuries his uh, entire career. He has not really had – he's had almost no NHL time uh, during the regular season. I think he just has that one game from last year. Previously, you ranked him 15. Now he's at 17. Obviously, the injury has a lot to go into that. His NHL upside for you is a third-pair defenseman. Um, he has not played yet this year. He's still coming back from the injury. And, you know, you see the updates from the beat writer saying that he's on the ice skating and everything like that. I, really, to me, a guy like Sam Moran, I don't really see him excelling much at the NHL level because I don't think he has um, the right skill set for how the game is played now. He's, you know, he's still that he he's that big kind of bruising defenseman and um really lacks in the other areas that you need, you know, stick handling and offensibility that you were talking about earlier that guys like Gossespierre, Provorov, and things like that have. Obviously, not every defenseman you have on your team is going to be to their level, and if you're going to roll out guys like Gossespierre, Provorov, Myers, Zamula, things like that, you know, you can have a guy like a Sam Moran who will play that role kind of like a... um kind of like a, a Gudis. It's just, you know, if he could stay sound defensively and just impose his will on people, then it's not as bad. 
But what do you, what do you see in Sam Moran? I know you haven't been able to see him for a while, but obviously you, you you think enough of him that he hasn't played in about a year now, maybe a little more, and you still have him ranked in the top twenty. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, there's probably a lot of people on Flyers Twitter and Facebook who would say that I have him ranked way too low at seventeen. That, yeah, exactly. So, he, I mean, he's very polarizing that way. Yeah, and that's what I said. I said he's the most polarizing of all the Flyers prospects, in my opinion, yeah. because he was taken in the first round, and that comes with a lot of, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of hype, and there's uh, a lot of people who see you taken in the first round, number 11 overall, and are like, oh, this guy's going to be, you know, the next Chris Pronger. And he was sort of drafted to replace Chris Pronger, right? Because Chris Pronger was the, the huge acquisition of, of the team and Paul Holmgren, and then he had the concussion issues, and he had to retire in 2012. So the Flyers were looking to replace that toughness. They went after Shea Weber unsuccessfully, uh, and so they drafted Moran. It was kind of a reach at that point. I mean, he's a 6'6", 230-pound defenseman. He's tough as nails. He's uh, you wouldn't want to fight him. I mean, he's he's just uh, really tough. He's 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 uh, you know, in front of the net, he's a little bit dirty with the stick in terms of slashing, and he's everything you want in terms of a snarling third-pair defenseman. Great on the penalty kill, but he just doesn't have much offensive talent, and he's also a defensive liability. He's not – people mistake this thing that a big, tough physical defenseman is good defensively. That's not necessarily true. Like, it, Sam Moran, he gets – when I've seen him play, he gets beat a lot by guys that have speed or even can stick handle through him. So he's, you know, I just, I don't think that he's a great hockey player. I think that he's, he's actually deceptively fast. He's got some good speed. And when he was trying to make the team in 2017 out of training camp, I thought he actually outplayed Robert Hagen, probably should have made the team. He scored a nice goal, he had a couple of nice assists. He didn't make the team for whatever reason, and that was a bad sign because if he couldn't beat out Robert Haig at that point, you know, I it's it's tough sledding. He came, then he was sent down to the AHL, and he he had the knee problem where he, he needed uh, reconstructive knee surgery, and he's probably going to be ready to play again in February. But it's a tough situation because right now with Sam Ray's twenty three years old, so the situation is that most young prospects the NHL teams can send them down to the AHL and they don't have to clear waivers. But once you hit a certain point, you do have to clear waivers. So that means that when Sam Morant comes back this year, if the Flyers want to send him down to the AHL, he's going to have to clear waivers, which means that every other team in the NHL will have a chance to get him for nothing. He will not clear waivers. There's another team out there that will take Sam Morant. So the Flyers cannot send him down to the Phantoms. He's going to have to either be with the Flyers or not play at all. So maybe he could be the seventh defenseman. But, uh, you know, going into next season, I don't know. You're going to want him to be the seventh defenseman. Flyers have a lot of good young defense prospects like Phil Myers and Mark Friedman and Linus Hogbear, who are quite honestly better players than Sam Moran. And so I, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him. He might be the perfect third pairing defenseman that you you know, gets 15, 16 minutes a game and hopefully is out there not against some of the other team's best players and he can be out there for the penalty kill because he is pretty good on the penalty kill. But it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And keep in mind that he's coming off of this huge knee surgery. So it's 
it's be unfair to Sam Morant to expect that he's going to be very good right away when he comes back. He's going to need time to, you know, that knee's going to, we saw it with Carson Wentz, right? The knee's going to mm-hmm. need time to kind of ease back into action. And it, I would think Sam Morant probably won't be back to his 100% until next year. And by that point, the Flyers are going to have to figure out what they're doing with him because he, he ain't going to be able to get sent to the Phantoms any longer. Do you think there's any trade value for him? I mean, may, probably not this year just because he hasn't played. Uh, you know, the, the deadline's the 25th of February. He's supposed to come back then. No one knows what point in February. But in the offseason, do you, do, you, do you think that that's, that's kind of where I think this thing has been heading for a while now with him? Because I don't see him, like you said, there's so many good defensemen that the Flyers have in their system. I don't know where he fits in because it seems like all of the other defensemen they have are a certain type of player, and he's that outlier. And it, it kind of makes sense because of, you know, he is, he is a Paul Holmgren draft pick who was still, you know, drafting players um, with a certain mindset that he's kind of stuck in. So, I mean, does he have a trade value in the offseason to where the Flyers can get anything half decent for him? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the ideal scenario with Sam Moran is that he is going to um, come back, play a little bit this season, and show other teams in the NHL that he has some value. Now, maybe he comes back and he plays so well that the Flyers say, hey, you know what, we need this guy on our team. That's that's possible. But, um, you know, I think that also a scenario is he comes back and he plays and then they try and trade him. The wild card here is that we've been – look, maybe if Chuck Fletcher and Scott Gordon were the coach and GM when Sam Moran was trying to win a roster spot, maybe he would have beaten out Robert Hague. I don't know. Maybe Scott Gordon thinks that Sam Moran is a better defenseman than Robert Hague. We know what Dave Haxtell and Ron Hextall thought, but they're not here anymore. So maybe Sam Moran – they – you know, maybe Scott Gordon has a different opinion of him. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. But I think the, the key component is that he's he's not going to be 100%. But if they can get him into some games at the end of the season, that could either showcase him to be on the Flyers next year or showcase him for a trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things that we'll see from the offseason. That and, and also, obviously, the Wayne Simmons thing, if he doesn't get moved to the deadline, which I think is um, very I think it's a very good possibility, but those are just two things to watch in the offseason, what the Flyers do with Moran, if anything, and what they do with Simmons. So we already know, we're already looking forward to the offseason because this season has been just a tragedy, really. So it's it's a shame that we have to already here in January, on January 14th, have to look forward to June, but it is what it is. But getting back to the list, so I'm down here at 20. And number 20 of uh, Jack St. Ivany, who was drafted uh, in 2018, this past draft. You have his NHL upside third-pair defenseman. Uh, Flyers, you have a lot of guys with the ETA of 2021-2022. That's, um, it'll be a crowded team if some of these guys don't get moved. Well, but, well I mean, you know, that's that's the whole thing, and I wrote about it a little bit at the beginning of my article. That's the thing with what Ron Hextall did. He was here from 2014 through 2018. He only traded away like one draft pick mm-hmm. uh, for a player, and it was in the Mrazic trade. Meanwhile, he made 15 trades where he got draft picks back. So every year that Hextall was here, the Flyers had more draft picks on average than other teams in the league. And he drafted well. So 
what that means is that there's all these like second, third, fourth line potential NHL forwards. There's all these, you know, second and third pairing potential NHL defensemen that the Flyers drafted in the middle and late rounds. And there's not going to be room for all these guys. So the Chuck Fletcher is going to have to trade away some of these players because they can almost field two NHL rosters with the amount of prospects they have that are going to be NHL type of players. It's a very good problem for Chuck Fletcher to have. And if I was him, some of the guys I would be looking to trade away, for example, um, would be I would look be looking to potentially move guys like uh, Noah Cates, who I have 14th on my list, and he's a very good player, and he was really good in the World Junior Championships. I think that his trade value may be pretty high because of that. I would maybe try and trade Tanner Lazinski. He's 15th on my list. He's another forward like Noah Cates. And like Noah Cates, he was very good for the World Juniors last season for USA. Actually, I think it was two seasons ago. But hes uh, I think he's going to have a big second half with Ohio State. And he's a guy who can have some trade value. On the defensive end of things, you know, I think guys like St. Ivany, who just played in the World Juniors, uh, Wyatt Wiley, who didn't make my list, but is is viewed as a pretty good young defenseman, Adam Yinning, who you mentioned uh, in the Swedish league, played for the world in the World Juniors also. Uh, he's a guy who you might look to move. He's a second-round pick. I, I think that the Flyers, you know, Matthew Strom is a forward who didn't make my list, who, who they could potentially look at trading. I think the Flyers are going to need to maybe try and move some of these young prospects to maybe get better prospects, maybe package a few with a player. Like if you're trading Wayne Simmons to a team uh, that is trying to win this year, but also, you know, doesn't want to completely disrupt their farm system, maybe you trade like Simmons and Tanner Lazinski and you get back that increases what you get back. But yeah, the Flyers are going to have to move, some of these young players because there's simply not enough room for them on the NHL roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, like I was saying, St. Ivany, you have 20th on your list. Um, what I kind of wanted to look into, cause you have, um, you've, you've even compiled a list within a list. You have the near misses and, um, you know, it's Wyatt Wiley, David case, Adam Ginning, Matthew Strom, Carson Twerensky, who I like a lot. Connor Bonneman, uh, Felix Sandstrom, and Kirill Ustamenko. So two, um, two of the two uh, goalie prospects there, Sandstrom and Ustamenko, that were on the list during the summer, not now. Um, so who is, if you had to pick a like who is, when you do the um, when they do the NCAA tournament uh, for March Madness, it's kind of you always hear them talk about first out and first in. Um, so who would be your first out of that list? If you had to, like, who was it hard to keep out of that 20 spot and what set St. Ivany apart from that particular player? So I would say that actually Wyatt Wiley was my 20th spot was between Wyatt Wiley and Jack St. Ivany. And cause Wyatt Wiley is a defenseman that the, uh, Flyers drafted, I think in like like the maybe like the the let's see the fifth round was it this past season? It was uh, yeah the fifth round in 2018, and he's just had a really good season in the WHL. He's got like around 35 points and 45 games, 
really good production for the same team that Carter Hart uh, played his junior hockey with Everett. Mm-hmm. But I think that he doesn't have quite the offensive upside that that St. Ivany does. And St. Ivany's a little bit tougher. He's got a better slap shot. You, you know, look, we're talking about guys that are probably third pairing defensemen in the NHL if they right. reach their seal if they reach their ceiling. Maybe St. Ivany's a little higher. So we're we're really kind of cutting really thin strands right now when we look at this. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because Adam Yinning is a guy who was taken in the second round by the Flyers, and he just he he's probably going to be in the NHL, probably a third pairing defenseman, but he doesn't have much skill. He's good defensively, um, but Wiley is probably the guy from a analytical perspective that that was close to making it. Just from an emotional perspective, it greatly pained me to leave Felix Sandstrom off this list because, mm-hmm. as you know. I've been a huge fan of Felix Sandstrom for a while, but it's been based on the fact that he's been phenomenal at every single development camp that I've been to. I go to the Flyers development camps every summer and try and watch these players develop. And I should have mentioned that earlier on in the podcast is one of those things that's part of my process. I love going and seeing that development camp and the, the three on three tournament. And Sandstrom has been incredible in that tournament. Sandstrom also was named best goaltender at the world junior championships a couple of years ago. So he's, he, he's been great everywhere except for in his actual league. He's been playing in the SHL, which is the top league in Sweden. And he's just, he's never put together a season with a save percentage higher than 0.908. And it just, it's not going to cut it. He had some injuries last year and people were hoping he was going to rebound this year, but he just, he, he hasn't rebounded, and I think Sandstrom's goals against average is around 2, 2.5, and his save percentage has been hovering around 900. It's just it's not good enough, and and I think he's going to come over to North America next season, and hopefully he'll be with the Phantoms, and maybe that'll help him develop being on a smaller ice surface. But it really pained me to leave him off. But if Sandstrom has a really good second half of the season, he could get back in that top 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw of him at the, uh, at the prospect camp to – you know, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of really good intangibles he has, but you know, this is a this is a tough list to make. This is um, you know, this is a list that every prospect wants to be on. So they have to bring their game, uh, their A game every year if they want to. You know, if they want to be on the Dan Silver top twenty list, <laughs> a very prestigious. I'm sure all these kids are, you know, not going to be able to sleep tonight because they're not on there. You know, I mean, Matthew I would. Strong. I know that this is the yeah. Oscars of prospect lists. That's yep. for sure. Um, should we, we uh, should we get his questions? You think? What? How's our yeah, timing look? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Love doing those. All right. Um, so we, um, you know, as usual, put out our Dan puts out the tweet because everybody loves Dan. Everybody likes responding to Dan. A lot of the tweets were just um, were praising you for your list, which I'm sure helped your ego. Which is, <laughs> um, I'm happy for you. I know it's you know it's got to be hard to uh, be loved by everybody on Twitter. <laughs> I will you know one, one real quick. I do put a lot of time into this thing, so I yeah. really do appreciate when people take the time because it's not a short article. So I appreciate no. when people take the time to read it, and I like you know it's nice when people have nice things to say because it kind of makes you you know it makes you think hey you know what uh, there's a reason I was spent the last three weeks working on this thing, and I'm glad that that people like it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see the feedback. Where do you find time to sleep during all this? 
you know, I'm a pretty fast writer. I mean, I went to journalism school and I've always, I was an English major. And so I, it's pretty natural for me okay. writing things. And, and so I have a process where I go through and I look at the stats and I figure out who I'm going to have as the top 20. And then I find the videos I'm going to use. And then, and then it, the writing just sort of happens. Right. So I just try and find spare time, you know, when I'm not during the work day to get stuff done. And I can, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday, I can take a couple hours and get a lot of stuff done. So that's kind of, you know, I still sleep pretty well tonight. Good, good. That's important. That's most important, actually. Um, so you have your questions up on your end? Uh, yeah. So, so let's, the first one, this one was a good one from DB at match penalty 21. He said, let's have some fun and pretend that every NHL team was looking to make trades with us for prospects. Name your strongest prospect only offer that you'd make for each of the following players. And he said that it could be as many prospects as it it would take. So that's a good, good question. So it is. So the first one he put on this list, and we'll go down it here quickly, was Vladimir Tarasenko. So, and I think it's very important when you're looking at this to kind of keep in mind how, you know, these players, how how many years they have left on their contract, Mm -hmm. what they're making. And so Tarasenko has got five years left on his contract at seven and a half million. It's actually not a bad contract. He's a pretty good sniper. You know, the strongest prospect only offer... It's tough because you don't want to trade away guys like Frost, Farabee, and Myers. And to get a Tarasenko, you're probably going to have to trade one of those guys, right? right? And you just, I, I, I don't know if you really want to. So, you know, for a guy like Tarasenko, I might be willing to move a guy like, like an Isaac Ratcliffe might be a guy that I would be willing to move if we got a sniper like Tarasenko. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, like you said, some of these guys are easier to acquire than others. Tarasenko may not cost you as much as some might think, just because of the situation that St. Louis is in, um, and you know they're looking to stockpile picks and prospects at this point. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to get rid of Frost, Myers, or Farabee. As far as this list goes, the only player I'd probably be willing to deal one of those players for would be Panarin. You may not even have to because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So the longer this, you know, the closer it gets to the deadline. And Columbus is actually having a pretty good season. So they might not be as willing to trade him as we thought they would be at the start of the season. But if you're going to give up one of those guys, I, I you got to get a guy like Panarin because he has that. He just has that elite-level talent, and he can do so much on the ice. And I've been talking about him for months that I want the Flyers to somehow figure out a way, if not by trade, then with all this money they're going to have in free agency to bring him in. Because I think you get a guy like that on this team with some of the, with the other talent around him, and that will just catapult the Flyers out of whatever doldrums they're in now into the conversation of you know a, a, a team that could – realistically make a deep run in the playoffs, especially if uh, Carter Hart stays doing what he's doing next season. So if you're if you're talking Frost, Farabee, or Myers, I would have to get a guy like Panarin. And I like the fact that the Flyers would be able to control what his contract would be going forward. Well, but the issue with Panarin is that he's an unrestricted free agent. So 
right. it, there's no guarantee if you trade for him that you're going to be able to sign him. So, you know, I would, so I would actually say that I would, if I'm the Flyers, unless, and Panarin is already, it sounds like he wants to play in a glitzy city. So either LA or New York or maybe, maybe down in Miami. So tired of so, that shit. Right. So I, I, I don't even know what I would trade at this point for Panarin because the Flyers aren't going to make the playoffs this season. So mm. having him this season doesn't do you any good right. unless you think that by having him here, you're going to convince him, convince him to re-sign. So, I mean, I, I would probably only trade like a, uh, a third or fourth tier prospect for Panarin right now. And he's if Columbus, Columbus won't do that because Columbus, if they decide they want to trade him, they're going to get a lot more because there's yeah. going to be a team that's going after the cup that will trade for him. So, I don't really think there's a fit with Panarin. The uh, the other three guys on the list, so uh, Jeff Skinner is one of them. He's also a pending unrestricted free agent. So he's another guy that unless he is going to sign for a long-term contract when you make the deal, I wouldn't really trade much of anything for Skinner at this point because he doesn't help the Flyers this season. The other two guys, uh, Dougie Hamilton, he mentioned, He's a defenseman with Carolina. He's a guy that I would probably be willing to move a guy like Ratcliffe or German Rupsov for um, just because he's a defenseman. He's a top-pairing defenseman, which is something that the Flyers could use, and he's got three years left on a very manageable contract. So he's a guy that I would move a prospect for. Tyler Sagan is the other guy that was mentioned. and contract. to be quite honest, I don't, I don't, I don't want that contract. Tyler yeah, Sagan is making ten million dollars for like the next seven or eight years, so I don't even want that contract on my team. To be quite honest, so you know, I guess what we've found here, at least for me, I don't know what it would take to move Frost, Faraby, or Myers. I, I just, I don't know if I would move those guys unless you're completely blown away uh, by an offer. But I'd be willing to move a guy like like a Ratcliffe or a, a Gervon Rupsov or a Vorobiev for a player maybe like Tarasenko, Hamilton. Tarasenko or Hamilton would be the two guys that would appeal to me. You know, for what it's worth, a move could have just been made in this past offseason. Especially Hamilton and Skinner got moved from the teams that they were on. So there were moves to be made, and that just goes back to Ron Hexall's unwillingness to to move prospects and picks because those guys were obviously on the market. Sagan got the deal. Um, I guess you know if Sagan got his money early, so I, I would assume that meant that Dallas wasn't really trying to get rid of him. Panarin probably could have been acquired if you were aggressive enough. And Tarasenko, I can't imagine that St. Louis would have traded him. I don't think they were expecting to have as bad, <clears throat> excuse me, as bad a season as they've had. But, but when you look at guys like Hamilton and Skinner, guys that you could have had, guys that could have really made this team better than they are, it's more frustrating when you think that Ron Hexall just didn't want to move anybody. But you know, we're more, we're off of that part now. We're we're moving on to bigger and better things with Chuck Fletcher. So, and I expect an aggressive offseason. So, what do you have next on the question? Uh, so the next question was, let's see, let's go to a question from Lou Crocetto at L Crocetto 67. He says with Finland winning the world juniors, what are the flyers doing to up their presence there? I don't think we've had much going on there since Sinisalo passed away 
and there aren't any finished prospects in our system? It's a it's a great question. Yeah, the really Flyers is. have had a lot of the Flyers have had a ton of luck, or not luck, but a, a ton of success finding mid-round Swedish players like Oscar Lindblom, Linus Ogbear. Um, uh, I know there's another one I'm, I'm blanking on right now. Uh, who's the other big Flyers Swedish prospect they had um, that they took in the draft? Uh, who am I thinking? Well, oh, Samuel Ersson was. A, is, right. It looks like he's a steal. So the Flyers have been really good in Sweden, and they've taken some Russian players. Vorobiev is a great pick, but uh, but they really haven't taken many Finnish guys. And I think I have read that they don't have a whole lot of scouting in Finland. I don't have an answer to the question. I don't know what they're doing to up their presence, but I would think that they would want to do something. Yeah, there's obviously a good, you know, talent pool out there. And historically, there has been as well. But right now, right now, the Flyers just basically own Sweden. If you look at this prospect list, which everybody should, there's there's a lot of really good Swedish players on this list. I don't know what they would be doing either to um, to up their presence in Finland that, you know, it could have also been a institutional, or I don't even know that's the word for it, an organizational, you know, thought process under Ron Hextall that he wanted to focus more on the Swedish players than the Finnish players. Um, so that could change with Chuck Fletcher. You'd like it to. I mean, you want to have as many, you know, as many prospects in from as many countries as you can. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, but obviously – Based off of what you saw in the World Juniors, there's some there's some good talented players out there. So I would love to see the Flyers uh, pay more attention to Finland. Not that we hate our because we love our Swedish players, but we want some Finnish players as well. So let's see, we've got a couple more questions, and I think that it's it's weird because they're scattered around some of these different posts. But so okay, here we've got from one from Jim Beam at New Britain underscore Jim. Would you move any or all of the defense prospects on the list for immediate defense help now, no. within two or three years of term? So I would trade. I would not. I'd be very hesitant to trade Phil Myers because again, I think he's got top pairing upside, and you'd have him under under team control for the next you know, seven years. So I'd be very hesitant to trade Phil Myers. But if a team's going to give you a lot for a guy like Yegor Zamula or Linus Ogbear or Wyatt Kalanuk or Moran or Friedman or Jack St. Ivany, I think you definitely have to look at it. The problem again is that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It depends on what some of these teams want. Like Carolina might trade Dougie Hamilton. They're looking for immediate help. St. Louis, who would want to trade Pareko, they would also probably want immediate help. So it's just tough finding a fit. But I would trade any of the guys on this list other than Phil Myers, most likely. Yeah. When we talked about it earlier in the year when uh, the whole William Nylander thing was going on and you mentioned putting Phil Myers in a deal, I would have did that. Obviously, he's not a defenseman, and that's what uh, Jim here is asking in the question. Um, so, no. For immediate, for, let me see, a list for immediate defense help now? No, because I don't know if I would trade any of them for immediate help right now, because the Flyers, it's not like, unless you get a guy like a Dougie Hamilton, and that's what it would have to be, a guy to his level to really come in now and make a huge difference and possibly turn the Flyers around. But from where they're at right now, I'd rather just, I would rather wait till for the offseason when, 
general managers kind of lose their minds a little bit with trades. I mean, we saw some ridiculous trades last summer. Uh, I, you know, I think guys just kind of forget the value of certain players. And then, you know, they're thinking about the draft and who they want to bring in and stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's steals to be had in the off season. So I, I don't think there's any immediate move right now that the flyers could make that would make any difference on their season. So I would rather just keep most of those guys and, you know, just go forward in the off season with the intent to, you know, make moves then, because right now you're right now, everybody's value is so different and because teams are at such different levels than as compared to others. Some teams may think that they have a better shot than they really do. So they value their players more. Everything is just a little weird in season to make a move. So I would rather just wait for the off season. Yep. Um, another question we've got was, let's see here. was from Andrew Nestor at R Nestor. He asked, which current Winnipeg, Boston, Tampa, and or Toronto prospects will make the best Flyers prospect <laughs> in a trade for Simmons and or Raffle? So I think he's asking, if we traded Simmons and or Raffle to those teams, what are the kinds of prospects we would want to get back? So, you know, I've got to say I'm not, you know, greatly familiar with those teams' farm systems. However, a couple guys that come to mind is if you're trading with the Jets, they've got a uh, Finnish winger named Christian Veselainen. Who's very? Uh, he's got a lot of upside. Who I'd look at. If you're trading with Toronto, I think that they've got a a, uh, a kid in the OHL, um, Semyon Dare Argutensov, who I kind of like. I did a little bit of scouting on him uh, prior to his draft year, and Jeremy Brocco, who's in the AHL, who's a winger, who I'd be looking at with the Bruins. Their farm system really is not that good. They've got a defenseman. Uh, Erho, his last name, Erho Vakanainen, who, uh, who's, I think he's 19 years old, and he, he looks really good to me. He's a guy I'd be looking at. And if you're Tampa, if you're looking at Tampa, hey, I would look to try and get one of the kids that played with Morgan Frost last year. It's Sault Ste. Marie, which would be either Boris Kachuk or Taylor Radish. So those are just a couple of names that I'd be looking at from those teams. And like I said, I don't know those, those systems in and out, but, but those are guys I'd be, I'd be looking at. Yeah, um, quite honestly, I don't know. Gun to my head, I don't think I could I could name any prospect from any of those teams. Um, I will say this: when you mention, anytime Simmons comes up, and um, especially when you go back to the previous question about the you know the defense prospects and things like that, I really think Toronto's a team to keep an eye on, um, both in terms of Simmons this year, and just the, you know all the defense prospects the Flyers have. You know, depending on how the season goes for Toronto, if they, we know that they need help on the blue line. If they kind of, if they go into the playoffs and, you know, defense really becomes a problem for them and they don't go as far as they would like, I mean, I think I, you have to think at this point that they believe that they can win the Stanley Cup and, you know, why the hell not? So if they fall short of that and defense is a big problem for them, that's really a team that I think fans should look to in the offseason for a potential move with some of these prospects. Um, I don't know what you'd get back. I don't know what Toronto would be willing to give up. But, if you know, we already talked about that a lot of these players are going to have to get moved sooner or later, the prospects that we have, because the pool is just so deep. It's so vast. Um, you need to start clearing up spots for 
because, you know, there's a new draft every year. So new players are coming in every year. So I think Toronto is a team that is a team to kind of look out for. If they kind of fall short of their ultimate goal this year and, you know, defense is a big problem for them, then I think that there's a move that could be made uh, between them and the Flyers in the offseason. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that I'll be looking at that. Um, last, I think this is the last question here from Mike Y at I am underscore Mike underscore Y. One guy not mentioned is Pascal Lamberge. Thoughts on him? He had such a high ceiling when he was drafted. It's easy to write him off after the concussion and missing this all year with hip surgery, but do we still think he's got anything? I guess it's a wait and see situation. Yeah, I mean, Pascal Laberge is was really is kind of like an afterthought for me at this point. I mean, the Flyers took him in the second round in 2016, and he, he had a horrible concussion of a dirty hit that year. And he just – he never really did much. I mean, his his last, last season, 2017-2018, he was averaging under a point a game in the Quebec Major Junior League. He only had 17 goals – just never really got his confidence back. He uh, he just doesn't look like an NHL player to me right now. So I don't think that Pascal LaBerge is is on the way towards having any chance to be in the NHL at this point. And if it is, it's going to be a long ways down the road, I believe. Yeah. Well, you would know if anybody would. You have a you have a pretty good um pretty good eye for this type of stuff. So Dan, I got to let you know. Once again, very impressed with your knowledge of the prospects. Um, to put 10,000 words together, I know you say it's easy for you, it comes naturally for you, and that's great for the people who it doesn't. You know, For the people that don't have time, don't know where to find the information on these players, may not know a lot of them. Uh, this is a really good, you know, for everybody out there, this is a really good just kind of one-stop shop when you're looking to learn about the Flyers' prospects, because for all intents and purposes right now, for the Flyers' NHL club, this season is over. The The playoffs are, you know... They're down 2 nothing right now against the Wild, by the way. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, this season, it's a lost cause this, this season for the Flyers. And, I know, and now everyone wants to ride the lose for Hughes train. The Flyers are going to end up getting a good pick. I don't know if it's going to be first or second overall, because obviously, you know, the two guys at the top of this draft are, they're, they're, you know, they could be game changers for the Flyers. And we'll get into that down the road. But for right now, if you want to learn all that you possibly can about what the Flyers have in-house, in their system, making their way through the ranks, you have to get on philliasflyers.com and you have to read Dan Silver's top 20 prospect list because it's just... It's the tops, and it's a great read right now to boost your fan morale for where because everyone is so down for where the Flyers are at. Everybody's so negative, and Dan, it's great that you put out just a nice positive piece and something to you know give fans right now some hope because there's not a lot of it in the city right now. Yeah, it's uh, you know, yeah. I mean, look, it's like you said, it's the Flyers are already down to nothing to the Wild here. I mean, they're gonna they're probably gonna end up as one of the worst five teams in the league. But, like, even if they have the number one pick in the draft, it's only an 18% chance they get the first pick. But, yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason I love doing these Flyers prospect articles because their system is so good right now that no matter how bad the team is, it gives you a little bit of positivity moving forward. So, 
yeah, you know, it's uh, I appreciate all the folks that look at it. And, you know, got to mention that this year or for this one, I got some special help from uh, from our buddy Ted, who's been on the show. And uh, so for every prospect guy that I had in the top 20, Ted, whose Twitter is at that guy 11920, and he writes for Phillies Flyer as well. He has a little one paragraph blurb as well. And uh, so really want to thank Ted for, for contributing. He's much more of an analytics guy than I am. So it's good to kind of have that perspective. So that's that's something that, that Ted also spiced it up a little bit with some of his write ups. Yep. Ted's another great guy. Another guy you should follow on Twitter. But Dan, where do people find you on Twitter to get this link and to just go ahead and give you the praise that you obviously deserve for this article? Or they can bash me and disagree, and we can Could have a that. good good, de- good debate <laughs> over it. So my uh, my Twitter handle is at dsilver88, and you can find the article at phileasflyer.com. If you go to that site, phileasflyer.com, that prospect article that I just wrote will be uh, the first one that you see. There you go. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at markflagman2ends. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud, on Google Play, on iTunes, and, of course, the podcast tab where the player will have every episode that we've ever recorded right there on phileasflyer.com. I encourage you, once you're done reading Dan's article, um, you know, if you have if you have the brain capacity after in, in taking all that information, hop over to the podcast tab and listen to us talk about it and it's one thing to read. It's another thing to hear the dulcet sounds of Dan Silver explain it all. So until next week or the next time we talk, if something big with the Flyers happens, then it'll be next week. But until next time, uh, everybody have a, a wonderful uh, stretch of life. I uh, hope everyone is well. Good, good and until then, uh, let's go Flyers. <laughs>